Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto Will is your host. Thank you so kind of being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Folks, uh, I tell you what, the reason I'm late is because the that great Houston activist, uh, Daniel Cohen, uh, sent me some info about the Houston mayoral race. And this applies to everybody. So those of you that I see a whole bunch of you in the chat already, not only from Houston, but from other places, this is the kind of stuff activists are supposed to do, how they get engaged. So I want you to hang with me here as I am converting a file that I just ripped that he said I had to listen to. I am ripping it as we speak. But without further ado, I'm going to bring him into the program. El Señor... Daniel Cohen, how are you doing today, my brother? I'm good, my brother. How are you, my friend? I am doing fine. I'm doing fine. You know, as 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 we speak, I am ripping that audio that came out of the Who's show again that you told me about. It's Michael Berry, which if anybody listens to Michael Berry in most cities, if you had a Michael Berry, they would, you know, push him off the air. And here in Houston, it's really a big problem with right wing radio where we need to call out what these people are talking about because they are consistently misogynistic, racist, xenophobic, anti-gay and outside of the mainstream of not just Houston, but the United States. Uh, And that's exactly what this clip shows today as well. Yeah, it it is interesting because, like I said, when I when I I went ahead and you said, "Hey, check out around the six minute mark." I tell you what, I I, I hope I am I, I got to go do some processing here uh, beforehand. Though I want to welcome Eric Hayes, Shiva Las Vegas, Paul Fleming. Welcome aboard, guys. Bridge MCP from upstate New York. Eric Hayes from from. Houston, Paul Fleming from Atlanta, Georgia, Maywood from California, E2247, I don't remember where you're from, Jay Ray from the Third Ward, uh, para ver quien más está aquí, uh, Michael Rudnan from Brooklyn, New York, Yvette Avery Herod, Atlanta, Georgia, our union expert. How you doing, Yvette? Great to see you here. Look, uh, what I want to do is play, I think I got about three minutes and 53 seconds worth of it. I don't know if that's how long it was, but I try to, it wasn't at the six minute mark. It was a little bit before the six minute mark. I didn't get it quite exact because I wanted to get it out for the show today because people are voting. People are voting today, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and we want folks to be well aware of this here. And I also want to make sure that you can hear it as I play it so you can comment about it. So before I play it, I need to go into my rendezvous mixer to make sure that it is going to be transmitted to you as well. So uh, anyway, folks, how are you guys doing? It's great listening to you. As you can see, I'm buying time. So i tell you what, while I try to figure this out, tell us a little bit about the Houston election and why it is so important that we select the right mayor. Sure. So, I mean, look, Houston is, as many people know, the fourth largest city in the United States. We've had anemic turnout in many elections, including this one. Uh, Seattle is a much smaller city, but is off uh, cited as a city that has higher turnout in terms of mass votes than the city of Houston does, even though it has a much smaller population. So if we want to see better governance in the city of Houston, then we need people show up and vote. Um, And that means to the best of our abilities, voting early, but at least making sure to vote 
on election day as well. Um, it's that much more important because we know that the state of Texas has attacked the city of Houston, attacked Harris County and uh, passed laws that would make it easier for them to impact our elections and to have their say in our elections. And so we need people to show up. We need people to be engaged. And it's better if we continue to do it as early and as, off, as often as possible in terms of voting election over election and the different cycles that come up. The city elections, like I said, oft overlooked. Um, there are some very powerful positions that are on the ballot. In fact, all of the positions that are on the ballot matter. There are two ballot props that absolutely matter. Uh, one would allow less council members to bring something to the agenda, which would serve as a check on the mayor and what we call strong mayor system here in Houston, one of the strongest in the United States. And Prop B, which would bring much more resources to the city of Houston by reforming the Houston-Galveston Area Council, to which a lot of your hard-earned money goes, but doesn't come back in the form of projects or in the form of revenue uh, flow back. And this that's, this would increase our voting power as a city and as a county on that council. So there's some really important stuff. And of course, the mayor's race, which we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about today. But and I have it ready up, for you. I have okay, a little clip ready. I want you guys to hear it. And I and guys, remember, this is impromptu. So if it doesn't work out right, you know, we'll still talk about it. But here we go. Scroll down. And the other candidates, people just don't know much about them. That's that's the nature of of running for office as a first-time candidate in the city of Houston. You, you don't have the money. You don't have the airways. People don't care. And this, this election has been a really dead election. 51% of likely voters hold an unfavorable opinion of Sheila Jackson Lee, 41% very unfavorable. And that's just, that's just off the charts. But let me see if I can move my camera over here. Um, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee wins um, black voters, 68 to 19. John Whitmire wins white voters, 69 to 18. So there's your number right there. 69 to 18 is a, is the split. Blacks vote for Sheila. Whites vote for Whitmire. Both Democrats. He's a He is considered a conservative Democrat. And I know some of you, I ain't no Democrat mayor. There's going to be a Democrat mayor. Just go ahead and get comfortable with that. Always has been. There's going to be a Democrat mayor. So you get as mad as you want. Because you're going to decide whether it's going to be Sheila Jackson Lee or John Whitmire. Uh, Whitmire has been the uh, dean of the Senate for a very long time. And he's the criminal justice guy. Now, saying he's perfect. He's going to say a lot of things you don't like. He's a labor guy. Uh, he's going to talk about the gays. He's going to talk about you name it. But he can win. He's the only one that can win. But I know that Democrats got mad at him a few years ago when they were demanding that there be more air conditioning in the state prison system because the inmates had filed a lawsuit that they needed to be cooled off. And he said, if you want air conditioning, don't commit crime. That's the best you're going to get out of a Democrat. Before you get too mad, understand this. I've run for office three times in the city of Houston and won. I ran for mayor and lost. I've been around campaigns since 1989. I understand the demographic. It is a vastly Democrat district. You can run a Republican against Sheila Jackson Lee in her congressional primary. You can do it. But I know the numbers. And when you understand the numbers and you understand these who these people vote for, 
then you realize you got to get out of there with the best you can possibly get. Whitmire wins independence 62 to 15. But again, independents are less likely to vote. Sheila Jackson Lee wins Democrats 59-29. Whitmire wins Republicans 82 to 1. If Republicans show up and win, Whitmire wins without a runoff. I mean, if Republicans show up and vote, Whitmire wins without a runoff. Why are you a Democrat, Michael? Yes, he is. I didn't say he wasn't. If you want me to stand up here and pound on Whitmire as well as pounding on uh, Sheila and be stuck with Sheila Jackson Lee as the mayor, you got the wrong guy. I care too much about it. I've spent too much time down there. I know too much about the power of the mayor. It's a very, 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 very powerful position. You can give up a congressman. They're just going to D.C. They don't have any power. The mayor has all the power. Incredible amounts of power. If you don't get Whitmire, you're getting Sheila. It's as simple as that. That's not a hard decision for me. And when he wins, you you can feel free because some of you are complete asses and you will for four years. Hey, I thought you said Whitmire was good. Well, he's over at the... Scroll down. And the other candidates, people just don't. All right. Uh, that's what I wanted folks to hear. In effect, uh, he admits uh, he admits <clears throat> Daniel that he's a conservative. In other words, that Cohen and that Cohen, <laughs> recalling your name, that Whitmire is a conservative. No, Cohen is not a conservative. That Whitmire is a conservative. In other words, what Barry is saying is that we are going to elect in a progressive city. We are going to elect, use the machination of a turncoat Democrat to elect a conservative into office. Take it away, Mr. Cohen. Oh, there's all kinds of terrible context that surround all of this different stuff. I mean, first of all, I mean, just straight up for anybody that's wondering, if you want to put it in a nutshell, Michael Berry threw his weight behind John Whitmire in the mayor's race. So that's that's the first that's I mean, that is that's an endorsement that anybody should run away from like the plague. Um, he might not call it an endorsement, but we all heard the clip. We know what it sounds like. We know what he's saying. He's telling his radio audience to go and vote for John Whitmire is what he's saying. And the reason that he finds him to be acceptable is, as you said, he says he's a conservative Democrat. But then he adds some details around it. He says he's a criminal justice guy. And then he cites the fact that Whitmire uh, refused air conditioning to prisons, which when you call John Whitmire's office, uh, they say that that criticism is unfounded because it was, quote unquote, taken out of context. They run away from that criticism. They attempt to diffuse that criticism. Michael Berry, however, sees it as a compliment of his criminal justice platform. He thinks that people should be cooking to death in 110 and 115 degree cells. And in addition to that, Barry has been one of the ringleaders when it comes to spreading misinformation about the cash bail system. Uh, specifically, he has been pointing at judges in cases where the judges' hands were tied by the Texas legislature on specific cases. And he never mentions the real culprits when it comes to the bail issues, when it comes to felony bail. And I want everybody to know about this because I think it's very important because Republicans never like to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Bail bondsmen. 
The bail bondsman industry is backed by big insurance, as are many other industries that, Egberto, you, of course, have railed against over and over again, right? All of, all of the, uh, the problems with our healthcare system. The insurance industry supports all of those issues. They support all of the issues when it comes to our criminal justice reforms or criminal justice reform issues in our criminal justice system as well, because it takes you have to raise 10 percent of the money to get out of prison for a felony bail. So what what bail bondsmen do is they go and they broker a deal and come up with a payment plan and they take a first payment that sometimes is like one percent. And then they turn around and they know all of the tricks of the trade to lobby their way out of ever paying for a bond if somebody doesn't show up one way or another to begin with. Now, personally, and I think there's a lot of evidence to show this. The cash bail system doesn't do anything for anybody. If you're wealthy, if you're part of organized crime and you can raise a million dollar bond, you can get out. If you're poor, you don't get out. It doesn't matter whether or not you did it. It's a matter of whether or not you're rich or poor, period. And so it doesn't keep anybody safe. And there's plenty of studies to show that. The Quattron study uh, shows that. And it came out just earlier this year that it saves better resources related to public safety and that it has no impact on public safety specifically. And then, in fact, it decreases recidivism if, if you have misdemeanor bail reform. It was specific to misdemeanor bail reform. But we're also seeing good results out of Illinois right now, um, which have actually prevented some of the really wealthy mm-hmm. people from who were actually found guilty from paying their way out and at the same time made sure to preserve resources on people that were slapped on the wrist with petty offenses. And it keeps them from getting put back into the system over and over again and bleeding the system dry of our dollars. These dirty bail bondsmen that Michael Berry likes to prop up have absolutely got to go from this system. Whitmire's not going to get rid of them. Michael Berry is on board with that. And that's why Michael Berry supports John Whitmire as the mayor of Houston, because he supports a broken criminal justice system. He is the chief defender of that broken criminal justice system. And Barry is on board with that system. He just wants to rip people apart. He wants to punish people. He wants to be dumb on crime. He wants to be hard on families. And this is the stuff that's not being talked about in this election as much as it should. But Hopefully we do our best. We start talking to people and make sure that it comes up because there's going to be a runoff and there's several weeks here for people to hear about it. So when you all go to the polls, you keep this in mind. Michael Berry's thrown his weight behind John Whitmire. And this is the same people. All of the the Alex Mueller cabal is basically now on board with John Whitmire. The Mattress Max of the world, the Richard Weeklies, and now the Michael Berry's. That's your media. That's your fundraisers. That's your entire Alex Mueller machine. So the MAGA machine backs John Whitmire in Houston, period, the end. Now, here's the thing, because I want you to restate that again and again, uh, Daniel, because he whenever you ask him about it, including I don't know if you remember when I called when uh, again, I sent the email to PBS and they asked him the question that I asked. He tried to disassociate, disassociate, disassociate himself from having anything to do with uh with these guys he, he, he gave the impression like i'm just somebody who likes to work with the other side when the other side has no intention of working with democrats they may have intentions of working with him but working with him got the passions and the policies of democrats absolutely nothing so if he's working with them and saying he's successfully working with them that means he is a part of them given that nothing comes back Is that right or wrong? Uh, I think it's definitely right. So a couple of key facts that that will give you a bigger picture of all of this. Uh, John Whitmire is the only Senate committee chairman 
in the Democratic Party in the Texas State Senate because Dan Patrick knew that he could give John Whitmire a state on the committee and he would vote in alignment with him. Either it was ideological reasons or horse trading or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The point is that they're actually aligned. And that's an issue because Dan Patrick is an extremist who takes Nazi cash and has voted for the most right-wing policies of any Repeat that because right. a lot of people don't believe that. He actually did take $3 million. Explain that real quick for, for our audience. Well, so anti-Semitic billionaire Tim Dunn, who told the former Republican Texas House Speaker Joe Strauss that he believed only Christians should be in leadership positions, which means no Jews in leadership position, no Muslims in leadership position, and so on and so forth, um, gave money to defend Texas Liberty. Defend Texas Liberty is associated with a consulting firm called uh, consulting firm called Pale Horse Consulting, and Pale Horse Consulting is run by Jonathan Stickland. Now, Stickland hired uh, a mask-off Nazi named Ella Malding. You can look at her telegrams and her Twitter and see all the anti-Semitism that she's spoken about over the years. And they brought Nick Fuentes in, along with Chris Russo from Texans for Strong Borders. And the more that journalists keep pulling at this web, the bigger the network and the thread uh, becomes of different white supremacists who are involved in the Texas Republican Party. Uh, there have been several good um, journalists who have done work on this at the Texas Tribune, Texas Monthly, as well as an independent journalist over at a, a, a blog called Turtle Diaries. Very well documented. Pictures, links, everything. It's, she's got the receipts. She's got citations as all these different groups. Matt Rinaldi, the head of the Texas Republican Party, has been working with some young Republican groups uh, that they've agreed to certify as members of the Texas Republican Party. And there's now actually a civil war that's broken out over lots of these things within the Texas Republican Republican Party. Um, all of the Texas Republican Party has issues that touch this different stuff, uh, but some of them don't really want to be seen as mask off Nazis. And so they've actually written open letters and things like that to some of these people. But Dan Patrick received $3 million and he was pressured for that. And what he did at first was he denounced Nick Fuentes, the white supremacist, and mm-hmm. but said he wouldn't give up the money. Then they asked him about it again, and he said that he was going to buy Israeli war bonds, which means he's war profiteering because that's going to come back. He's going to make more money off it. Exactly. He's going to make more cash off that. And uh, today he's attempting to try to misdirect everybody by saying he's buying more of them. But the bottom line is that he hasn't denounced Dunn. He has not denounced this entire network. He just used Fuentes. Stickland got fired. They tried to replace him with Luke Macias. Luke Macias has had on apparently had allegedly had ongoing text threads with um, Nick Fuentes. And that's out there as well. And he has a long history of racism and white supremacy and all the same talking points. So, yeah, Dan Patrick takes Nazi Nazi cash. Um, he owns a radio station here in Houston. If you listen to his radio station, they regurgitate. The wildest talking points you've ever heard um, about cyber soldiers and, you know, COVID conspiracy theories and, you know, right other right wing theories and all kinds of different stuff. So this is these folks don't see this race as nonpartisan. Anybody who thinks this race is nonpartisan is naive because it's kind of like when you see something as a fair fight and the other person doesn't. Right. It doesn't. That means it's not a fair fight. You can want it. You could want it to be a nonpartisan race if you want to, that, oh, everybody's just doing the governance and it's above board. But that's not if one side doesn't see it that way. That's it. There's no more. The the problem is, is that it makes a lot of Democrats by voting for a Whitmer seem very, very naive. And and it's like you. it it is almost like the way Donald Trump got elected. It's because we fell we we fell on uh, on on silliness. The same thing is happening with 
electing Whitmer. It's like, we told you so. John Carter uh, said he's joining us from uh, in, uh, from London, jo- just joined from London. Whitmer is not only a conservative, he pals around with those who are actively trying to overturn our elections. He cannot be trusted with our progressive city. I agree 100%. Bruce Pollard says, when I talk with Kim, uh, she was not uh, a no-cash bail person. I mean, you know, uh, that, that is Kim Aggie's talking about. I mean, we oh, have she, to- she broke a promise on that. She yeah. she promised it on the campaign trail and absolutely broke it. He's definitely right. And and Carter says, and don't forget the non-believers. They don't want us in their midst since we support fact-based policies. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Michael, I'll read. Uh, let's let's save this one for uh, for after. Confined for, 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 for another day. It's a very long one. Uh, Bruce wish we had a pair of a, a different pair f- for the runoff. I get it. Lee Grant says, Dan, please comment on Hamas and the extreme anti-Semitism that is rising. Uh, let, before we get there, uh, 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 because y- you are you are Jewish, Daniel, one of the people that I get a whole lot of advice from. My brother Daniel, Daniel, Daniel here. So when you hear me say certain things, understand I, I am far from anti-Semitic because, again, I make sure to take advice and I listen to the counsel of my Jewish brother here, as well as to Bruce, who is also Jewish, who sometimes looked at me and said, Beto, you better be careful of how you say that. Just like Daniel tells me to be careful when I say certain things as well. I take their counsel. Uh because they've earned me taking their counsel. L- let's go ahead. Uh, you're going, you, you, Lee. You're changing what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to ask because it's a hot subject that needs to be spoken about. I'll give the floor to Brother Daniel here. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is what's so interesting when people say like condemn Hamas and the anti- and anti-Semitism. I'll say two things. Um, you know, Hamas is a it, they they murdered innocent people. You know, and and I don't. I don't and it's they murdered Meretz peace activists. What's so funny is that not funny, but strange funny, right? Like not comically funny. But if you look at the kibbutzniks um, that were murdered, some of them, their family members actually said, you know, my my the people that you murdered and the people who you took hostage would never stand for innocents being killed in the names of that, you know, of the people who were, were murdered, who were my loved ones. Um but I mean, of course, Hamas is anti-Semitic and they're a terrorist organization. And, you know, they they come and I and I've I've actually I I've uh, I've said this to people before. Hang glider posters. I'm not on board with uh, the idea of like, you know, Hamas mm-hmm. being the breaking out of prison and th- that kind of language specific to Hamas. Of course, I'm not on board with that. I've, I actually don't. But what's interesting is that I never had any standards for a terrorist organization. Right. Making demands of terrorist organizations is kind of like you know, making demands of Bane or the Joker or something like yes. that. I mean, you really, you don't negotiate with terrorists. And so making demands of terrorists is kind of an, it's an interesting, um, it's an, it's an interesting thing for people to be asking or demanding or things like that. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of seems granted to me, but what I would like to say, I mean, if, and I don't know the context in which the question, the question, the audience member asked that question, I would guess that it's asked in a way, you know, to try to, to make sure that I'm commenting on that as opposed to the state of Israel. But I, I would hope that the, the I'm answering it in good faith. And I'm going to hope that the commenter is, is going to take me in good faith here. This commenter um, is actually I, in good faith. I mean, but, I, I, I know okay. the guy, but I mean, he I con, he's 
he's my brother. He's a supporter of the show, but I still tell him he's confused in a lot of issues. Go ahead. Well, my, well then he's my brother too. And I, I hope he listens in this case. Um, I have spoken up against anti-Semitism from the right and the left on various occasions. Egberto can, can testify to that. I've done it on very, I've done it throughout my entire time as an activist very loudly because it is a vitriolic and vicious um, form of prejudice. There are lots of form, forms of prejudice that are. And, you know, when people say, well, what makes anti-Semitism different? What I would say is in some ways it is and in some ways it, it isn't because every, all of these vile forms of prejudice are in some ways their own form of vile. And in some ways they're no more or less vile than any of the other really vile forms of prejudice, whether it's, you know, a- anti-blackness or um, anti-immigrants. A lot of the rhetoric surrounding that is, is always vile as well. But um, what I will say is that we all have prejudices. I'm not a big fan of, of like Dallas. Okay. Um, that prejudice probably is not going to get people killed. I've never seen it could, I guess, theoretically back in the day, you could have anti Dallasite sort of stuff or something like that. But generally speaking, right. There are these biases that we have and they're probably not good. Even that one's probably not like a good bias. Right. <laughs> but anti-Semitism is never like that. It's always a vitriolic and vicious and um, racist form um, it came from a uh, racist Frenchman and racist, a racist German who wanted to uh, popularize it, who wanted to turn the German working class against Jews. And he used the word Semite because he knew that that would mean dark and foreign and Middle Eastern in the minds of the people that he was addressing. And that's how it got to be that way. There's a misnomer right now that Jews um, use the term anti-Semitic and cut other people out of the equation, but that's not actually where the term comes from. I'm getting a little bit academic here, but all of this is to say that, you know, you want me, you wanted me to talk about anti-Semitism. I probably have more to say than we have time to discuss it today, but I thought I'd at least tell you some initial thoughts that, um, that yeah, it's a vile form of prejudice. I'm very concerned right now uh, that that there are there's anti-Semitism from multiple angles and that there's anti-Islam um, rhetoric from multiple angles and that white supremacists are attempting to drive a wedge between Jewish and Muslim communities as well as other communities so that they can implement a white supremacist version of things and that they can foment violence. And I think that that's something that everybody should be aware of and is a threat that should be taken seriously. Um, I, you know, most most of the problems and the really divisive and nasty stuff that I've heard isn't coming from Jewish and Muslim communities. It's not coming from Palestinians. Uh, it's not coming from Druzies. It's not coming from uh, Arabs of different stripes. It's coming from white supremacists. Um, and so th- there are some times because when rhetoric hits our ear, it doesn't necessarily hear a color. Um, we see color, but we don't necessarily hear it, that people will retreat, retweet different words from different extremist angles of one another. Um, and, and that goes to show you something. So anyway, like I said, well, I don't know if we have enough time on the show, but hopefully no, that was good not, not, not right now, but I did, did want you to have your voice, but I also want to say something that Breach mentioned. And she said, uh, there is, uh, that she said anti, uh, uh, God, I, I, I dropped it here, but what she wanted to say is that being pro-Palestinian does not mean you are an anti-Semite. No, I, of course not. Of course not. I think that uh, that it doesn't mean and being pro pro Palestinian doesn't mean you're pro Hamas either. And right. being 
being Jewish doesn't mean that you agree with the Israeli state. And if you say that, you know, if you say something about the Israeli state and that you're you're supportive of Israelis or Jews, you're going to need to ask a follow up question to see what the person means by that. Right. There's many different things you could mean. If you mean, you know, making sure that someone's not getting murdered by Hamas terrorists, that's one thing. But if you mean, uh, you know, creating a state of second class citizens or reinforcing one or denying food or water or, you know, so accepting collective punishment or things like then of course then that's a problem so i think people aren't asking a lot of follow-up questions right now and i think that that's where a lot of the conversation has, has uh, and, and here's the other thing uh, uh, daniel yes there are universities what drives me crazy is how they have used anti-semitic uh, certain anti-semitic acts at certain universities to place it and plaster all universities, uh, the progressives that run all these universities are anti-Semitic because they're trying to make sure that they're balancing a reaction versus overreaction versus the wrong reaction. As we can see with, with the president right now in his hug of Netanyahu, what it has done with some people saying, but Netanyahu is bombing the holy bejesus out of, Pal out of Gaza. You're hugging him. What do I tell my constituents who have, uh, who have Palestinian parents and relatives in Gaza that does, do not believe in, in, in uh, Hamas or any of those issues? What am I supposed to do when the United States unadulterated support for Netanyahu? Not adulterated support for Jews, but the unadulterated support for Netanyahu. Well, yeah. Well, a, couple, a few interesting things. First of all, we saw a spike in anti-Semitism unlike any other with the rise of Trump. So I think that's right. really important context that gets cut, um, you know, covered up. The other thing, you know, that I think... People are just learning the history now, and they're sort of slapping together their his their understanding of the history of this very quickly. And um, there's some salient there's a salient point that I think always gets missed. And you and I have discussed it before, but I want to I want to make sure to bring it to the forefront of this conversation. Yes, Yitzhak Rabin was the Labour Party Israeli Prime Minister in the 90s when Israel's Labour Party actually existed, and he was negotiating for peace with Fatah, which was a PLO, which or Arafat. And any, any criticisms you might have of these two men or these two different organizations, they were getting close um, on potentially two states. Um, and they, they were pretty close. Um, they weren't all the way there, but they were pretty close. Um, Bibi Netanyahu was, Yasser, was, uh, was um, Yitzhak Harbin's key political opposition. And he whipped up his fringe and said, you know, these people are trying to give away your land and they're trying to come up with a two state solution. And he basically threw water on this on the negotiations, the peace negotiations. And he, he whipped them up into such a frenzy by he like carried a coffin through the streets and things like that. And he whipped them into such a frenzy that one of his right flank fringe members actually ended up mm. shooting Rabin. So and then when Bibi took power. He didn't want Fatah to have power because if Fatah, if he actually had a negotiating partner at the table, then he would have to come to the table and discuss the possibility of a Palestinian state. Well, that didn't work for him. So he propped up Hamas instead. And there's extensive, extensive evidence for all of this. The, the least the least violence that was taking place um, in Israel, Palestine during uh, during this whole period was 
uh, after the first intifada and up through, I, I believe in the, uh, uh, or excuse me, the, the six day war up through the first intifada. And that was because you had um, free movements of people all over the country, right? Or at least fairly free movement, more free movement, let's say, right? Like let's put some degrees. And what it goes to show you is that if you give people rights, if you give people movement, if you give people a society, and if you give people democracy, then you have less violence. It's not really a surprise. We figured this out a long time ago. It's not exactly news or anything like that. We know this to be the case. Um, But I think there's a lot of stuff that's really it's very overlooked. I think people don't know a lot about the term anti-Semitism. I hear a lot of people who are um, pro-Israeli state who say things like, well, you know, there was never a Palestine, there was never a territory and things like that, which doesn't matter. It really has nothing to do with anything. They're very clearly as a Palestinian nation at this point. There are 3,000 nations on earth. There's only 200 something countries on earth, 213, 214, depending on how you, you measure it. So I think there's a lot of people who are picking up these kind of like half-baked understandings of the of, of what's gone on over the last um, you know 75 years, right? And are putting forward stuff that makes it more difficult for us to have peaceful conversations, and instead feeds into a lot of the aggression that we have that are, are put forward by folks like Netanyahu um, and put forward by people like Hamas, um, and specifically put forward by by by. Um, yeah, specifically put forward by these two parties. And right? we Which have are- and we have our supremacists in here who use it, who actually are using these issues, not because they per se care about Jewish people, but they because, in fact, they don't. Uh, let's remember what occurred in Charlottesville and what the chance was in Charlottesville. So. It's amazing. It is amazing that they do this. But anyhow, um, I, I, I just. Since, you know, since I always call this program the program that belongs to the people who are listening and they brought up the anti-Semitic issue and you are the right person to speak on it. I wanted to bring that up. But but to close you out, Daniel, I want to go ahead and you tell us again uh, your thoughts on the Houston mayoral race and what Democrats and sensible Republicans need to do in this election if they really care about the direction of this city? Well, it's very clear that the the Mueller cabal, if you will, and by the way, Alex Mueller took $100,000 from Defend Texas Liberty, that same Nazi network that we talked about earlier, right. the same way premises, right? If you want to push back on that kind of extremism, then you can't vote for John Whitmire. And the candidate who has garnered the most support as an alternative to John Whitmire at this point is Sheila Jackson Lee. But you've got you've got several candidates who are in the race, but you can't you absolutely positively cannot vote for John Whitmire if you want to keep the extremists out of City Hall. That's that's the bottom line is that it, Michael Berry's an extremist and he's saying it himself. He's encouraging his massive audience to go to the polls and to vote for John Whitmire. And he's trying to talk them off the lid, ledge because they're the ones who believe in election denial. They're the ones that believe in COVID conspiracies. And he knows that he, he's having trouble even selling them a conservative Democrat. But he's selling them a conservative Democrat because he knows that that's the MAGA choice for this election. That's the closest thing to what he believes entering City Hall. And it's not because Michael Berry has a moderate bone in his body. Go look at the stuff he says and go look at the stuff that he's done. If he was in most other cities, he would have been boycotted. He would have been pilloried with calls by now and he they would he would have been kicked off the air this is not a normal media ecosystem here in houston it's so good that we have free and independent press like you egberto and those journalists that do work in places like the good journalists that are at the chronicle and stuff like that and the good journalists in the tribune that cover things like that so that they can do good work 
and Texas Observer, let's not forget them. In fact, we are honoring uh, Houston Peace and Justice Center is honoring the Texas Observer on the 12th of this month of November. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the Tribune even has, you know, they've some of those reporters have done a great work. Some of but they've they as an institution, they've caught a couple good reporters this this past year. But um, and the Observer, you know, they rallied to save their own newsroom, which was pretty remarkable. Um, but it's it's so important that we have y'all because this is a city with the fourth largest population. But we're 10th when it comes to things like media buys. We're very low when it comes to readership. We're very low when it comes to subscriptions. Um, basically, we're very low when it comes to circulation. Any of the standard mainstream media stats that relate to Houston, we punch below our weight. And so there is a vacuum here. There's a gap. And it's essential that good reporting step in and talk about this stuff. Because we can see Michael Berry really shouldn't have an audience. He shouldn't really even be on the air. He shouldn't be treated as mainstream because he's an extremist. He's fringe and he's supporting John Whitmire for mayor. And when extremists support people for public office, that means that that person showed them that they would be willing to compromise and make room for their positions in public office. And that's a problem for anyone who's not an extremist. I want I want to stop you right there, because that is a key phrase that you just said there. When an extremist sees something in you that they want to support you, we should all run. It says it says something. Anyway, we, we want to continue with something that happened with John Mallorca. I don't know if you want to stick around, uh, but I, I want to play a piece by John Mallorca uh, that occurred today in, in the in the Senate that should kind of give people pause. So um, I'm going to go to that now, folks, and check this piece out and then we'll take it on the other side. Senator Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri was at a hearing today where we had uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, present. And what he attempted to do was to show some sort of a support for uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters who are going through hell in America because of what Netanyahu is displaying in, uh, in Gaza after the attack, after the terrorist attack on Israel. So uh, it turns out that he thought he was going to make a point. He wanted to make a point. He found a person who worked for uh, the the DHS who was a strong uh, Palestine supporter and made some derogatory statements uh, against the Jewish state, including statements saying that the Jewish state, in effect, uh, didn't have the right to exist. Not in those words, but meaning that. And what Alejandro, what uh, Josh Hawley tried to do is make that the stamp of all employees who work for DHS, which Mayorkas strongly criticized and finally just said, my answer stand, my answer stand. But it, the, it's the ending. It's what Mayorkas did at the end. It shows you how unprepared these these particular jokers that call themselves right wing MAGA Republicans. In fact, Josh Hawley should right now be keeping himself quiet because he's nothing more than a insurrectionist who gave who promoted the insurrection. And when they came into the Capitol, run like a little you know what. But anyhow, let's listen to the exchange and then we'll take it on the other side. Secretary Mayorkas, let me start with you. You're familiar with the chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. You're familiar with that? 
I am. Do you know what it means? I do. Can you explain it to us? Um, uh, Senator, that is a, um, a chant um, that speaks of uh, Palestinian desire for its homeland and a very expansive definition of its homeland at the expense of the independence of Israel. Well, indeed. I mean, it, it calls for the elimination of Israel, does it not? It does. So my question to you is, should students who are here on a visa who gather and chant that slogan and actively advocate for the elimination of Israel and attacks on Jewish individuals, whether in the Middle East or here in the United States, as we're seeing on college campuses, should those students have their visas revoked? Um, Senator, uh, I believe you are referencing a provision in the Immigration and Nationality Act uh, about which you have written uh, to me. And I am very familiar with uh, uh, your assertion that that statutory provision requires the revocation of their visa. But should they have their visas revoked? I'm asking you. Uh, uh, we are um, assessing um, your legal assertion. Um, it is a matter of legal interpretation of the statute. Well, just as a moral matter, I mean, should should students who are here, foreigners who are here in this country, accessing our university system and advocating for the killing of Jews, should they be allowed to stay here at our leisure? Um Senator, it is a matter of law, and uh, it requires a legal interpretation, and I am not in a position to provide that legal interpretation. Just, and let me add something. Wait, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. I, I just, my time is very limited. I have to say I think your answer is disappointing, but let me ask you something else. Let, let me ask you about people who say other things. What about people who say things like, on October the 7th, F Israel, I'm cleaning up the language here, F Israel, the government and its military, are you ready for your downfall? People who say things like F Israel and any Jew who supports Israel. May your conscience haunt your dreams until your last breath. Palestine will be free one day. F apartheid Israel and is any Israeli. But this is pretty extreme rhetoric, don't you think? Senator, um, I do. And I think there is a distinction between espousing or endorsing terrorist ideology and uh, speech uh, that is uh, odious, that does not rise to that um, level. Fair enough. This person works for you. This is Nuja Ali, an employee of the Department of Homeland Security, who posted these comments on October the 7th. That's not all she posted. She also posted this graphic. Now, this is a fake graphic. I want to be clear, but I think we understand it. This is a paraglider, a Hamas paraglider, depicted here with a machine gun flying into Israel. She posted it under her online alias with the celebratory Free Palestine. Mr. Secretary, what, what's going on here? Is this, is this typical of, of people who work at DHS? This is an asylum and immigration officer who is posting these, frankly, pro-genocidal slogans and images on the day that Israelis are being slaughtered in their beds. What have you done about this? Four things I'd like to say to you. Number one, your question to suggest that that is emblematic 
of the men and women of the Department of Homeland Security is despicable. Number I'm sorry. What have you This person works for the Department of Homeland Security. Have you fired her? That was one of four answers. Have you fired her? One. Have you fired her? Don't come to this hearing room when Israel has been invaded and Jewish students are barricaded in libraries in this country and cannot be escorted out because they are threatened for their lives. You have employees who are celebrating genocide and you are saying it's despicable for me to ask the question. Has she been fired? Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary. After um, the consumption of Senator Hawley's time, I'd like to speak. Has she been fired? Because I will we not would like be, an answer. Would you? Because I will not be given the opportunity. Has she been fired? So uh, that individual has been placed on administrative leave. So she's not one. been fired. Number two. Number Why has two, she not been fired? Number two. The individual was hired in 2019. Why has she not been number fired? Three. I cannot speak to an ongoing personnel matter. Why? Why has this person not been fired? Your answer is you can't speak to it. The this isn't sufficient to fire her? I am not in a position to speak to an ongoing personnel matter. This that isn't sufficient to fire her? That's what you're telling me? That is not what I'm saying. But she's still on your payroll as that, we sit here today. That is not what I'm saying. She's still on your payroll as we sit here today. Senator? How many cases? She was an asylum and immigration officer. How many cases did she adjudicate? Senator, I'm not in a position to speak about an ongoing person. I'm not asking about that. I'm asking you how many cases she adjudicated. My uh, answer remains. Did she adjudicate any cases involving Israelis seeking asylum in this country? Same answer. Well, let me just point you to what else she posted on social media, where she drew attention to the fact that she is an immigration and asylum officer. Hashtag immigrants, hashtag asylum seekers, hashtag Palestine, hashtag refugees welcome. This is on her LinkedIn post where she has her professional affiliation posted. So I think the American people deserve to know, has, has she admitted, contrary to law, individuals who should not be in this country or denied Jewish refugees, whose genocide she's advocating, asylum that they deserve? Same answer. You're not going to tell us what this person's done? Are you conducting a review of her cases at least? Senator, as I have said, over and over again, I cannot speak to an ongoing. You said that you will not. I can't believe that you would come to this committee knowing this. You know about this. I've written to you about it. You know all about it. And you come here unwilling to answer and suggest that it is wrong of me to ask you the question. Quite frankly, Mr. Secretary, I think that your performance is despicable. And I think the fact that you are not willing to provide answers to this committee is absolutely atrocious. Fine. Number one. Uh, what I found despicable is the implication uh, that uh, this language, tremendously odious, um, uh, actually could be emblematic of the sentiments of the 260,000 men and women of the Department of Homeland Security, number one. Number two, uh, Senator Hawley takes an adversarial approach to me in this question, and perhaps he doesn't know my own background. Perhaps he does not know that I am the child of a Holocaust survivor. Perhaps he does not know that my mother lost almost all her family at the hands of the Nazis. And so I find his adversarial tone to be entirely misplaced. I find it to be disrespectful of me and my heritage. And I do not expect an apology. 
but I did want to say what I just articulated. And let me, let me tell you why I wanted to play that entire piece. I cut it a bit. I have a narrative at the end that I let slide. L- let me tell you why I love that piece, specifically because he didn't play into Jolly's hands. In other words, uh, I mean, uh, Holly's, Holly's, hear me, Jolly, Holly's hands. He went ahead and he stood fast. And at the end, he didn't say, I, I'm Jewish up front. He just let the guy make make fool of himself. But not only that, but if uh, I wish he had said it not as subtle as he did, but just said, and by the way, you see, I'm still cleaning up Trump's mess because remember who hired this woman? This woman was hired under the Trump administration. He didn't say it. He just said this woman was hired in 2019. Well, if she was hired in 2019, she was hired under Trump. You should have said it. My orchestra, that's the only problem I had with your thing. Now, before I go to you, Daniel, I want to read. Paul Fleming says, FBI Director Chris Ray testifies that anti-Semitism is reaching historic levels in the U.S. Notes that Jewish Americans represent about 2.4% of the public and now accounts for something like 60% of all religious-based hate crime. It is imperative right now, folks, that now all of us respectable people, you can criticize the bombing in Palestine, or rather in, in Gaza, like I do, you can criticize Hamas. But we have to make sure to come out and stand up for our brothers and our, our Jewish brothers and sisters. Bruce and I have spoken about this before. You have to make sure. And, 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 and as, as, as you are honest in the coverage, you have to make sure and not let the white supremacists do what they do best. And that is to do what they did in Russia and what they, they, they do out here. Second thing I want to bring up is what Bridget to say. Egberto Willis, every anti-Semitic thing Marjorie Taylor Greene has said and done so far, the anti-Semitic backstory of QAnon promoting an anti-Semitic and anti-Muslim video calling George Soros a Nazi supporting the Pizzagate conspiracy theory. Where was, where was Josh Hawley during all of this? As I title the, pro, the thing, this is just fall Jewish support. Don't give me fall Jewish support. Give me real support. Your thoughts, my brother, Daniel Cohen, president of Indivisible Houston and Houston Activist Extraordinaire. Your thoughts? Uh, just, you know, borrow from Mallorcas. Number one, uh, <laughs> look. I mean, I think I think that his answers were sufficient. I think Josh Hawley obviously bloviates. He's a he's a blowhard. Um, yes. it's it's very clear. He was spinning something. He's very clever because what he was spinning actually, if you if you strip all the context out, he's got this very convincing kind of persuasive case, right? That any reasonable person would see this stuff and say, "Well, that's pretty bad." You know, they really should be doing something about this. So. I say all of this in the same breath as like I, I've had my I've had plenty of criticisms of Mayorkas, right? Is that there are there are honest criticisms that people yes. can make um, regarding the immigration policy of the Biden administration. There's plenty of them. I'm sure that your listener base could come up with mm-hmm. with plenty yes. of them on the spot right now. One of the best listener bases in the world, if not the best, right? But but the but this was very very clearly um, an attempt at manipulation and. I give him credit for for handling it well. You know, like like I said, I have lots of criticism. I remember when the Fraternal Order of Police backed Mayorkas as the pick for that position, and that's always a flag for me. To be totally mm-hmm. honest with, you. 
that means that the police unions have had buy-in and it, you, you cross that with immigration and your eyes go wide because it's a little bit frightening. And we've seen some of those policies, but you know, this, this was completely unfounded. Obviously Holly didn't know what he was talking about. And um, he tried to spring a trap and he got counterpunched and he looked like a sucker on national television. And I think the point where he basically lost the optical war which I, I'm not the only person who's going to say this, I'm sure, was when Mayorkas pointed out that he was a descendant of Holocaust survivors. There really wasn't much that Holly could do. He could he could grandstand and bloviate and talk about how he was a genocide apologist and you know looking the other way on anti-Semitism. But once once he said that, it appears to me that there wasn't a whole lot that he could do in the eyes of that video camera to uh, recover from that. At that point, it was done. But anyway, we are uh, having you here. This was a uh, completely impromptu uh, time with us, uh, Daniel. But I'm I'm happy that you're able to uh, you know to join in because again, uh, when things pop up like that, we always want to be dynamic. We always want to be able to change things on the fly. So thank you for showing up uh, with us today. I want to thank the audience for all the intelligent commentary you had there. I couldn't get to the ninety percent of them, but you know what? Thank you for being here. You guys are wonderful. Anyway, give me a quick closer, Daniel, before I get out of here. Yeah, stay engaged, stay involved, go to the polls. Um, election day is coming soon. Early voting's going on right now. It's seven to seven at various locations. So, you know, make sure that you go to the polls. And if you want to get active in Houston, then you can visit indivisiblehouston.com. That's indivisible, like one nation indivisible. Houston, like this wonderful city.com, indivisiblehouston.com. Uh, and thanks as always for being a member of the free and independent press, Egberto. I appreciate you, brother. Look, I appreciate you being here. Let me let me go ahead and I tell folks, please remember to support the program. You can do that by going to politicsdoneright.com slash support. Politicsdoneright.com slash support. And I I am about to paste that into the into the into the field right now. And of course, it didn't work as it should, but I will clean that up right this minute. It's in the chat. Politicsandright.com says support has all the different options in which you can support our program. As you can see, we are a very versatile program and making sure that we get the information to you. I'd love for you to subscribe, become a paid supporter of our newsletter. That also allows us to do what we need to do. Again, that uh, you can go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter to sign up to get it either for free or if you decide that you want to give politics and write a coffee a month sign up for the substack newsletter politics slash newsletter and by the way we all that bridge thank you so kindly for your support for your super chat thanks dan for all you know and how you are active that came directly from one of our great supporters uh saying thank you uh and thanks for that super chat. Lee Grant says, I'm glad to see Holly get some attention here. We need to listen to Senator Kennedy of Louisiana. Kennedy sometimes makes sense, but more more often than not, he doesn't. But I hear you, brother Lee Grant. Lee Grant is one of our our, our very supporting conservatives on the program. I love uh, brother Grant here. He tries. He tries. We we hug we we hug him tightly. Anyway, folks, um, today I'm going to be on Devil's Advocates Radio in Madison, Wisconsin. I don't know what they want me to talk about. They just sent me a text to say, we have you on for 530 to be there. So I listen to what they say. I'll see if we get a piece of it and play it for you tomorrow. Daniel, Daniel Cohen. I love this guy. This guy, uh, whenever I need information I just don't have and I need it quickly, I can make a call to this guy that you see on the screen right now, and he's always 
up to speed. Thank you so kindly for uh, coming on in this impromptu manner. Daniel Coyne, uh, uh, president of Indivisible Houston. Guys, you know how I get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right. And you know how I end this, baby. I am what? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.